When I was born, my parents gave me the name Aaron, which means bringer of light. So I remember having this little wooden thing that would hang over my bed, and it had my name, and it had the meaning of my name, and it's the first thing that I saw every morning. It's the last thing I saw before I went to bed. And much later in life, uh, my dad shared with me that uh, from the day I was born, he prayed a very specific prayer for me. Uh, he would pray uh, that I would be his first preacher. Uh, I was the oldest of four. Uh, he's a third generation pastor. And he prayed that I would be uh, the first of the fourth generation. And he never told me that. I don't think he wanted to manipulate you know, the process or shape me one way or another, but he prayed that and shared with me late in my 20s. And somehow, some way over the years, though I didn't know it, um, that prayer and my name became prophetic things that I would eventually live into. You know, when we named our kids, we did so more intuitively. You know, we, we chose names that we loved and um, ones that we thought were fitting and beautiful and just felt right. But in ancient times, names were a really big deal. They carried a ton of weight. You know, in the ancient world, if something wasn't named, um, it also often wasn't even acknowledged to exist. And so in ancient Egyptian literature, for example, when they talk about the time before creation, they refer to it as the time before anything had a name. You know, so it makes sense then why in the book of Genesis, when God creates the heavens and the earth, uh, one of the things he does first is he gives them a name. You know, light, dark, heaven, earth, waters. Names were a big deal. And it wasn't just for things. Names of people were, were a really big deal. They not only spoke to somebody existing, but it often was interconnected to their identity. And so much so that we find, you know, throughout the biblical narrative, when somebody would have this life-encountering um, experience with God, that God would often change their name, right? So one really popular example of that would be Jacob, who would later be renamed after this life-changing uh, kind of trajectory-altering experience with God, and God gives him the name Israel. Or another example would be Abraham, who we know before that, his original name given him by his mom and dad was Abram. And he finds himself much later in life, not able to have kids. He doesn't have any children of his own. And then God meets him and gives him a new name, Abraham, right? For he's going to be the father of many nations. A more recent example in the Gospels, really popular one, would be Peter, whose name was Simon, right? And if you remember Simon, Simon is, uh, he's the disciple is always getting himself into trouble. He's really impulsive. He can come off abrasive. He often speaks and acts without thinking. And then he has this life-changing encounter and becoming a follower of Jesus. And at one point, Jesus gives him a new name and says, you're no longer Simon, right? Your name is going to be Peter. For on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And it's not instantaneous. Peter still makes some mistakes. But then you fast forward to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is given to the church for the first time and the movement of Jesus is really launched officially, who is it that steps up and gives the first sermon and, and names what is happening in that moment? 
Well, it's, uh, it's the disciple formerly known as Simon. It's Peter who does that. So names were and are a big deal. They're really important. And so when we read the scriptures, it's really important that we pay special attention then to the names in, in the scriptures that God gives himself. Because each one of those names reveals a part of God's character, of, of who he is, of how we are to understand him and come to know him. So over the next 24 days, as we move through this season of Advent and, and move towards Christmas, we are going to center ourselves together in the person of Jesus each day. And we're going to do that by looking at each day one of the names of Jesus. And so some days there will be, every day there will be a reading and a reflection. Uh, some days there will be a, an audio reflection like this one. Some days it may be a song or a video or an additional reading or a passage of scripture for you to spend some time in, uh, whether that's, you know, you on your own or whether that's with your family, uh, our family, we're going to be doing this together every night before bed. And so I'll just say, so you know, I'm going to do my best with the audio reflections to, to not make them too heady or over the top. Um, cause I know we're going to have kids and adults doing this together, but also hopefully meaningful and, uh, give you some good fodder for conversation as a family as well. So that said, what's the goal in all this? Um, the goal is really, really simple. And, and I know you know this, but we're going to say it out loud because I think it's so important for us just to acknowledge as we go into this season is we want to make much of Jesus together this Christmas season, right? There are so many fun things about Christmas that I personally, I love. Like I have really good memories, you know, and associations with Christmas. So I love the lights and the food and the traditions and the music and the movies and, and the gift giving and being with family and all those things are good things. But we want to acknowledge together, not just once, not just at the beginning of the Advent season, but every day together that they aren't the main thing, right? Christmas is all about Jesus. The mystery of God coming to us in the form of this vulnerable child, born and entrusted to an impoverished, unwed teenager in a hardly mentionable part of the ancient Near East, revealing to us in his life and his words and his person all the way to his death and resurrection what God is like and what God is has done and what God is continuing to do in our midst. So I don't know what your hope is this Christmas, but that is my hope for us this Christmas, that that would be front and center for us. And I think we can even know what Jesus's hope is for each one of us. Because in Jesus's longest prayer that we have recorded in John 17, he prays for us. For every single one of us who count ourselves disciples of Jesus, he prays for us. And he prays this. He prays that the glory of God would hijack our hearts, <laughs> that it would somehow expand our hearts and capture, capture our imaginations. And then he says this, Father, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known to them so that, get this, so that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you catch that? He prays that we would come face to face with the glory of God, which we see so blindingly in the person of Jesus. And that 
in that, we would experience the love of the Father in the same way that Jesus experienced the love of the Father and that we'd experience his presence, Jesus in us. And so friends, church family, that's my prayer for you. And that's my prayer for your family. That's my prayer for me and my family and for all of it, for all of us. So I'll just end with this. So as we begin this, as you look deeply into the person of Jesus, may you experience the love of the Father and the presence of the Son and the gift of the Spirit. Grace and peace, friends.